that'll kind of help guide us through our study this afternoon. It's, it's been my privilege to be involved in church and Christian music since before I can even remember, really. Um, my mom and dad sang in church. My grandparents sang in church. They were always in the church choir. We were in church. We sang in the car going to church, coming from church, going to see Grandma and Grandpa, uh, coming home from Grandma and Grandpa's house. And uh, Mom and Dad had this big cabinet, probably that wide, full of records. You know what records are? Those big plastic discs with the, with, and we tried not to scratch them. And you'd put them on, and they'd, and sometimes they'd repeat, 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 you know, whatever. Um, but but we we would listen to them constantly, and then and then came the cassette tapes. You remember those, you know? And now the CDs, and now nobody has any of that stuff. It's all on your phone now, you know. It's a, it's a different world. Speaking of that, just before the message, I got a message from our missionaries in. In, uh, in Nigeria, the Babalolas. And uh, I wish I could put this up on a big screen. It's, uh, it's their, it's their uh, church music musicians. One of them is, is Barnabas playing a baritone. And I think their little girl's playing a, a clarinet and somebody's playing a saxophone. Somebody else is playing a, a piano. And they're all singing. Let me see if I can get this to come out here. How do I make this work? Where you can hear it. Can you hear that? Let me do this. Is that better? I look like I'm clicking my phone. Anyway, they're singing for over there. They're singing to the Lord over there. They're, they're praising the Lord over there. I, I have been privileged to sing in everything from a 300-voice oratorio society with a full orchestra singing Handel's Messiah uh, in tuxedos and symphonies, and it was amazing. And then to be on the other end of the world and to be under a palm tree with a kid with a ukulele singing and all those everything virtually everything in between of people who sing to the Lord sometimes in English sometimes in languages I didn't know I remember the first time I went to uh, Ponape Island I went to the church service and I didn't know what was going to happen I didn't see a piano I didn't see an organ. I didn't see a guitar. I didn't see a ukulele. I didn't see any musical instrument. And I'm going, how are they going to set the pitch for this thing? And some lady in the back went, ah! And I said, oh, that's the tone. And we went from there, and we sang with that. And everybody tried to come up with that. and It scared me to death, but we did it. And it was beautiful. It really ended up fine. They harmonized well, and it went really well. Um, uh, it's... It's amazing. I, I remember as a junior high boy when my voice was still cracking, my pastor's wife coming to me and saying, you're in the youth choir, you're in the, in the youth ensemble, what was it, the, the, the choral airs group. And I said, no, I'm not. And she said, yes, you are. 
and I, and so I got forced into music, and uh, it was good for me. Then I went to my first church as a youth pastor, and they, I, I wasn't supposed to have anything to do with the music. I was in North Carolina, they were singing out of a Stamps Baxter book, you know what I'm talking about? They had shape notes and all that stuff, if you know, if you know anything about that. It's different than what I knew from the Midwest. They called me a Yankee down there, and I'm going, well, I don't know what that is, but I guess I am one. And then, they, and then uh, one day I went into choir practice, and the, and the church choir director wasn't there. And everybody just looked at me and said, you're doing it. I said, I'm doing what? And then I became the choir director. And then not long after that, the, the song leader just didn't come to church. He got mad about something, and he didn't come to church. And they said, you're the song leader. I said, okay. And I figured it out. And that's how I, that's how I got into it. And then I went to Guam and I was a song leader and choir director all those years. And so, you know, I've, I've been involved in a lot of music through the years. Pastor Kelly knows a lot more about the technical stuff. He's gone up into the, into the, you know, the operas and the, and the, and the, the classical side of things. And I've studied that a little bit, but most of my music has been strictly church music. And that's what I know. And um, I, I really have found that, it, that music, I find as I'm studying in my Bible and preparing messages, I have next to my, next to my desk, I got a whole roll of hymn books and, and, then, and then children's chorus books and other, the old Sinkspiration favorites. And uh, there's one of the harmony of, Harmony Four Quartet, you know, and, and, and I'm sitting here reading my Bible and all of a sudden a song comes to my mind because I grew up with this stuff and it just, it just sticks with me. And uh, I've been reading a book called Theology That Sticks by Chris Anderson. You know the song we sing, uh, His Robes for Mine? He wrote this book and I, and I, I found it, I I'm just getting started with it, I found it very helpful, very good. But it just turned my heart to touch on this topic on why, why do we sing? Why do we do this? I know that not all of us are musical, right? And some of us try, but we're not anyway. And, uh, but the Bible does tell us to make a joyful noise to the Lord. And uh, there's some scripture verses that ought to, ought to kind of spur us on in this. I, I want our church to be a singing church, not just because I enjoy hearing you sing in here, you do sing well in here, but because I want these songs to stick with you. And we'll get to that in just a minute as to why, okay? But look in your Bibles at two major passages, and then we're going to look at some others as well. These are just two main passages that most people who talk about church music go to when they're talking about this as to why we sing. Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3, they're, right, they're very close to each other, two, two of the epistles of the Apostle Paul. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, and you've heard these verses many times and you probably will hear them again. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then over to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom 
teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Father, I pray that you help us as we study this and other verses that deal with this important topic about why Christians sing, uh, that you will help us to have a heart for this, uh, that we will have a, a heart for the right kind of music, a heart that is unified around the idea of singing for your glory. Lord, I pray that if there's music in our life that needs to go, that you'll give us wisdom to know what that is, and uh, music that needs to stay, that we'll know what that is. And so, Lord, just help us to understand what you want us to do in this important matter of singing and music. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, there was a time also when I was in high school when I uh, remember going from and I'm not, I'm, I didn't intend to tell, go into this, but I'm going to go into it anyway. When I, I went to the public school up through the seventh grade, and uh, this was in the early days when, when Christian music was changing a little bit. Back in the 70s, I think it was. And I'm in seventh grade, and uh, that year my church started a Christian school. And it only went up to the sixth grade. So all of my brothers and sisters went to the Christian school, and I had to go to the public school by myself. And that was one year where I had nobody to tattle on me, because all of my brothers and sisters were somewhere else. But it wasn't a good year for me spiritually. But I've been listening, and even at home, the music was changing a little bit at home. And, uh, and we, we, my mom and dad would go to Christian concerts, and then they would come and buy that music and bring it home. And I noticed that that music was a little different than what they used to play, and things were changing a little bit. And I found out that a lot of the newer music that was coming out was trying to sound like the world's music, so that it would be accepted. And I didn't understand what was going on, it just kind of happened. So I'm listening to my parents' music, and then I'm listening to some of my friends' music, and my parents' music was trying to mimic my friends' music. And frankly, my friends' music, the quality, the, the, the style, and the, and, the, and the way they did their music was, was a better quality than what the Christians who were trying to copy them was. You know, the original is usually more interesting than the copy, Right. And so what ended up happening is I'm, I'm listening to this, and, and some of it, I couldn't understand the words of what was going on. And so I'm hearing my Christian parents' music, and then I'm hearing the world's music, and I'm going, I don't know what they're saying, but boy, this sounds better. And I found myself sucked into the world's music. And I use this, I, te- I tell this a lot of times when I talk to people, I, the, the contemporary Christian music is a bridge to the world. But it's not the world crossing it. It's the Christians crossing it. The world's not coming to Christ because we sound like them. We are becoming like the world because we're listening to them. You see what I'm saying? And we're trying to mimic them. So we have to be careful in this matter of music. We really do. And, uh, and there, I'm not, I, there's a lot of styles. There's a lot of things that we can do that are okay and acceptable. And we need to be very careful about that. But, there's, but singing, and we, we'll get into that some other time. 
But what today I want to focus on is the reason is, is the reason why we sing, the purpose for singing, the purpose for music. Ephesians 5.18 tells us that being filled with the Spirit results in speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It results, if you're filled with the Spirit, music is going to come out of you. Our God is a singing God. We're going to get to that in just a minute. And we're supposed to let the Word of Christ dwell in us. And music helps it to dwell in us. Because we remember that a lot more than we remember. You wouldn't even remember my sermon notes this morning, would you? But you might remember one of the songs we sang. Because it sticks with us. Okay? Now, not all of us are musical, but all of us have been commanded to sing. Look in your Bibles and we're just going to kind of flip through some things. Okay, I'm going to start in Psalm 66 and we're going to look around a little bit. You don't have to get them all. Maybe just write them down if you want to in your notes and you can look these things up later. I'm going to read kind of shotgun a bunch of verses. Okay, so stick with me. Psalm 66, Psalm 66 verses 1 and 2. Those of you who say, I don't sing very well. Well, you can't get out of it. All right, Psalm 66, 1 and 2. Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Psalm 81, verses 1 through 3. Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp, and the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. O come, Let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Psalm 98, 1 through 6. Psalm 98, 1 through 6. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm, and it goes on. Verse 4, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Verse 5, sing unto the Lord with the harp, the harp and the voice of a psalm. With trumpets, the sound of a cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. So why do we do this? Why is it we open our mouth and this noise comes out? Why do we do this? Well, did you know that God sings? Look in your Bibles into the Old Testament. The Old Testament. See if you can find it. Let's see how good you are. Zephaniah. Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah. That's not a book we go to very often. It's one of those minor prophets. Zephaniah chapter 3 says, Sing, O daughter of Zion, in verse 14. Shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgment. He hath cast out thine enemy. The King of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion let not thine hands be slack. The Lord thy God is in the midst of the, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. You know, God sings. It's going to be a wonderful thing when we hear the voice of God singing. I don't know what that's going to be like. 
Uh, our God is a singing God. God the Father sings. We just read about that. God the Son sang in Matthew chapter 26. You remember they had the, Lord's, the first Lord's ta- table. And after that they went out and sang a hymn. And they went to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus and the disciples sang. So God the Father sings. God the Son sings. And we read where Matthew in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. That when we are filled with the Spirit He sings through us. When we Rejoice over what the Lord is doing in our lives. Because the Holy Spirit indwells us and we become the voice of the Holy Spirit. So God is a singing God and we want to be a part of that for sure. God sings. But not only does God sing, creation sings. If you look at the book of Job, at the end of the book of Job, after Job's trials, he finally meets with God And there's been a lot of complaining and a lot of grumbling and a lot of bickering and all this stuff going on and a lot of judging going on. And then God steps into the picture and he talks to Job and uh, he talks to him and says, where were you? Verse 38, verse 4 of Job chapter 38. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest? Who hath stretched out the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Creation sings. All creation sings. We have in our hymn book on hymn number 28. I won't ask you to go there. If you want to, you can. But we have a favorite hymn that we sing often around here. How great thou art, you know. And there's that one verse. When through the woods and forest glades I wander... And hear the brook sing sweet, or birds sing sweetly in the trees and all that. You know that. I, I, when I lived in New Hampshire and I was studying sometimes, I would take my Bible and I would go down. We lived on a 30 acre piece of land and behind our house was a big valley. And down in the bottom of that valley was a, was a flowing brook. And it was so peaceful and so quiet. And I would go down there with my Bible and sometimes a hymn book. And nobody's around, so I can sing at the top of my voices, and, 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 and nobody thought it was crazy. If I did that out in the courtyard here, people go, what's the matter with that guy? But, uh, but, but I would go down there. But, but then sometimes I would just stop and pause and sit on a log or a tree stump and listen. And you would hear that brook. And you would hear the wind coming through the trees. And you'd hear the birds singing. And something inside of me welled up and said, that's my God. See, we, we are so busy in our world. And we're so busy in the city, we don't often have time to hear creation sing. I'm thankful that even now, in this, in this little courtyard we have out here, in the mornings, when I'm up in my tower... I, you know, ivory tower, Pastor Dan, yeah. I'm up there and I open the window in the morning and read my Bible. And outside in those trees, I hear the little birds. That's creation singing. That's our God. He, wa- he loves music. He enjoys it. He cre- and, and you could tell, if you know your birds, you can hear one song, one bird sings this song and the other one sings that one. And sometimes they sing and this one echoes and they go back and forth. And then the other animals you don't believe they sing? Go to the zoo at night. You'll find out. All right? Yes. 
all creation sings. Then you get to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, right in the middle of our Bibles, right in the smack middle of the thing. I looked at a chart the other day that described how long it takes to read each book of the Bible. And so I averaged it out. And you can read 65 of the 66 books of the Bible and average about an hour. The, 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 the shortest one you can read in about two minutes, Second and Third John. You can read those in real, and then, but then you get to like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah. And if you can stay awake, you can say, do this in about four hours. But you get to the book of Psalms. If you were to sit down and start reading the book of Psalms, it would take you five hours to read through the book of Psalms. What does that tell me? That tells me that God values music and he values the right kind of music. And it's important that we fill our minds with the right kind of music. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms, basically they are songs that praise God. That's what they are. Our hymns in our hymn book, a lot of them teach doctrine. And some of them are praise songs. And then we also have spiritual songs, which are songs of testimony that, that express our experience of our walk with God. And all of these things are, are, being, are being done for the glory of God. And we need to make sure that they have Him as the focus and not just our emotions and our feelings and how we, what we like and what we don't like. I'm thankful I grew up in Grace Baptist Church in Kankakee, Illinois. My pastor, and my pastor couldn't carry a tune in a bathtub. It was bad. But his wife could play anything. I mean, really anything. His son went to, went to Bob Jones and won the commencement contest his freshman year on the piano. Just boy, I mean, He could play anything. That was my piano teacher. I took 11 years, by the way. I quit so I could play my horn and play basketball and date my wife and go to work and do other things. I couldn't do everything. I had to let something go. But my problem was part of the piano I had to give up because I, during those years when I was in the public school, I got into some music and I, everything I play sounds like Barry Manilow now, so I don't play it anymore. But that church that I grew up in, we had a hymn book. And we had something else called a chorus book. And this is before CCLI and all the, all the copyright laws. And they would just type in words and put them in a book and print them up and send them out. And we would all sing these choruses. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And stuff, things like that. I, all kinds of songs that stuck with me. And, uh, and, and then we had the choir books, and then we had music playing constantly. And I learned probably most, more of my theology and my doctrine through the music at my church and my home, than I, sadly, than I did in my own personal Bible reading at that time, because I just wasn't into it. But psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Chris Anderson, in his book, theology that sticks. He says, we need to sing great hymns because hymns teach people how to think about God. The songs you sing in church teach for better or worse. Some teach doctrinal truth. Some teach doctrinal error. Some teach that we value nostalgia. Some teach that we value tradition. Some, I'm convinced, teach that we value carousels and polkas, but they teach nonetheless. We do have a couple of songs in our, choir, in our hymn book. I, I've per, as, as a song leader, I see things you don't see. And we have one song that's got kind of a waltz feel to it. And I literally one time was up here leading singing, and a couple in the back 
slid out the back row and went in the back and went into a waltz while we were singing in church. So we have, we got we to gotta know what it is we're singing and why we're singing it, okay? Someone said this, a good melody with unhelpful words is a powerful and deadly combination. Why? Because the melody sticks with us sometimes when the words don't. You don't believe me? Go to the next 50s diner and listen to the music and watch. You'll sing along songs you heard 30 years ago that you remember, right? Because the music pulls it out of you. And that happens to us. Now, music is important. God set up music in Chronicles as part of the temple worship. First Chronicles chapter 15. Look there in the Old Testament. First Chronicles chapter 15. The Levites, part of the Levites' responsibility was music in the church. In 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 16, David spoke to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals, sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. So the Levites appointed Heman... And Asaph and Ethan, I'm just passing through fast, and then you get into 18, you get the choir members and all of that. Then you go to verse 19, the singers, and you get cymbals of brass in verse 19. You get down to verse 20, and there are psalteries, which are kind of like a, like a, a, a stringed instrument of some kind. And then you get to verse 20, or harps, verse 21, there are harps involved. Verse 22, Chenaniah, the chief of the Levites, was for song. He instructed about the song because he was skillful. So one of the chief Levites was a song leader. And so singing was a big part of, of Israel's worship and, and walk with God and their culture. Point number five in your notes, you'll see this. We're going, I'm, I'm, I've gone through all these first four points already, and you may not have even noticed it. But point number five is that songs stick with us. Again, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Make itself at home within you with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Um, um, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let me read another uh, little paragraph from, from Chris Anderson's book here. I value preaching as a powerful means of communicating divine truth. It's a fatal error for churches to emphasize music over preaching, but let's be honest, songs often stay with us long after sermons are forgotten. Would you agree with that? Oh, I hurt. I just preached a sermon. You don't remember any of it. <laughs> Songs always stay with us longer after, long after sermons are forgotten. In the book he says, stop rolling your eyes, preachers. It's true. We know. Luther, the mighty preacher and the champion of the Reformation, knew this well. He knew and used the power of the preached word, but he also valued the power of the sung word. To Luther, the way of the gospel led through the ear more than through the eye. That is why he valued poetry and music so highly. And the hymns which would, which would sing the gospel into the hearts of the common people. Hymns sing to people's hearts. They get into our hearts. Which is again, why be careful what you're listening to. Because just as hymns can get into your hearts, the world can get into your hearts. Right? Be careful. 
Why do we remember the song lyrics more easily than the sermons, perhaps even more than Bible verses? Because they utilize rhyme, rhythm, and meter, and because they're joined to music, which captures your attention all the more, both the left and the bright brain, if you will. Uh, one person said, music enhances God's word by making it more vivid and memorable by driving it into our very hearts. So we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is why you should have good music in your home. You should have good music in your car. You should have good music in your earbuds. Wherever you go, you should have good music. That helps you. It should point us to God's word. Someone else said this. We're commanded to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. How do we do that? With music. Music is one of the tools that God has given us to memorize and meditate on his word. Our music should cause us to dwell on the word. If you've ever worked in children's ministry, you know that putting the verses and Bible truths to music helps children remember them and think about them. Isn't that right? Of those of you who taught Sunday school. But it also helps you and me as adults too. So we should know our songs. Music points us to the word. So let's remember that and hang on to it. You know, Moses wrote songs. In Exodus chapter 14, after they crossed the Red Sea, Moses wrote a song about the horse and the rider being cast into the sea. So Israel would remember what happened that day. And they often sang that. In Psalm 90, he, there's another song. It's a prayer of, of Moses written to remember God's goodness and what he had done. In uh, Numbers chapter 10, verses 33 to 36, whenever the Ark of the Covenant would move from one place to the other in the wilderness, Israel sang a song. Numbers 20, 20, 10, verse 33, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them in a three days journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day, when they went out of the camp and it came to pass when the ark went forward that Moses said, and it was a song, rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered and let them that hate thee flee before thee. That was the song when the, when the cloud would get up and go and they would sing that and then they would march and follow it. And when it rested, the cloud stopped and Israel stopped and they sang, return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. And they rested with the Lord. The word of God dwelt in them with their music. The female judge Deborah and the warrior Barak sang when they commemorated the victory over their enemies in Judges chapter 4 and 5. Zechariah sang when he got word that John the Baptist was coming. And I could give you all these references. Mary sang rejoicing in God her Savior when she found out that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. And many other passages of Scripture command God's people to sing to the Lord. And I'm not going to get into all of them. I could give you those. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want you to look at that verse. Look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15. It's important. It's really important that you get this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Scripture tells us that we need to understand what it is we're singing. We need to understand it. So when we get up here and sing whether it's the choir or it's a special music, it's important that the words get out so people can hear what is being said and understand what is being said. Pastor Kelly works with the choir to make sure, pronounce it this way, don't pronounce it that way. If you pronounce it the wrong way, people don't know what you're saying. So it's important that we sing with the understanding. Last week, I think it was, they got up and sang with the Kennys, and they, I didn't understand what they were singing at the beginning. It was German. But then they sang the next verse in English. 
And I knew what was going on. I knew the tune, so that helped too. Because we're supposed to sing with the understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15. I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. New American Standard said, I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding or the mind also. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say, Amen, at the giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. When we do music, it needs to be done in such a way that people understand what is happening, what is being said. The amplifications needs to be loud enough so people can hear it. Thank you for up in the sound booth doing that. Uh, we're working on the Wednesday night. Sometimes it cuts in and cuts out. We're working on that because we want you to understand what's happening, okay? And uh, because it's important that we sing with the understanding, our mind engaged and other people understanding what we're saying so they can be blessed by it. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. It's not just about whether we all get up and, you know, whatever. I don't want to do that too much. It makes me dizzy. It's not about that. It's about understanding truth in God's Word. And that's why we have to be very careful about it. Pop songs will tell you. We pick pop songs, popular songs. Well, I like it. I like the tune. I like the beat. I like the singer. It makes me feel good. Well, that's not the right motivation for picking your songs. Now, I'm not saying you need to listen to stuff that's ugly and hateful and yet can't stand it. But we need to look at music that helps us. And some say, well, it makes me chill. Well, no, no, it's not about amusing you. You know what amusement is? Ah, without Muse, think. If your brain checks out, unless you're sleeping, you're, you're, you're wasting time. We live in a culture that wants to kill time. What is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So what are you doing when you kill time? You're killing yourself. So don't waste your time listening to stuff that just makes you check out. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You're going to have to answer to God for every idle word that you speak and every song that you hear and every song that you sing. Every idle word. So you might as well learn to do it the right way. Sing songs and listen to songs that help you relax and trust God. Yes, oh, safe to the rock that is higher than I. That's relaxing. But I'm thinking of my God. We need to sing songs that teach us truth. Sing tongues, sing, sing tongues. I'm talking Chinese now. Sing songs that warn us about dangers that we can fall into. Songs that challenge us. Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. Yes, sing with the understanding. We talked about the Holy Spirit teaching us, singing us, and, and singing and stirring us, and I'm going to quit here pretty quick. Ezra chapter 3, let's go there for just a minute. Something else that singing does for us. Christian singing Singing, oh, not just Christian singing, all singing, 
All singing unites us. Whether it's Michael Jackson, We Are the World, that unites us. But it doesn't unite us in the right cause. Right? No, we need to be united together in the service of the Lord and the worship of the Lord and the praise of our God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. This is what happened when, you remember Ezra went in and they built the temple. Before Nehemiah came and built the walls, they built the temple. In Ezra chapter 3 and verse 10, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, the king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout. So they weren't just singing these little, little quiet songs. And when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid, but many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of the house was laid before their eyes wept. So there was emotion involved in the singing and a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the sound of weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off. I hope people driving down Geary Boulevard hear us sing. I do. I hope they do. I know, I know when, I some, when that organ's playing, I can hear that. Boy, it rattles my bedroom. Wow. It's good that we sing loud and, and in such a way that it, it exalts the Lord. Psalm 133 talks about how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And it describes it as being like the streams coming out of Mount Horeb and running down through into the city. It's refreshing. It is joyful. It is wonderful. We were in Israel last year and we went to this Mount Horeb. And I had always thought of Israel as being just an arid desert with a, with a bunch of rocks. That's what I thought Israel was going to be until we got to Mount Horeb and the most refreshing cool water was flowing out of the side of that mountain gushing forward and it was wonderful and it was comforting and it was joyous that's the way we're supposed to be when we sing together something beautiful and glorious to the Lord you know, heaven is going to be filled with music. You can read in the book of Revelation about choirs and angels and multitudes singing to the Lord. That's the way heaven's going to be. And you say, my voice doesn't work so good down there. Oh, it's all right. You're going to get a new one. Just start practicing. Sing here. You're going to be in the choir up there. You might as well get started. Well, I'm going to close with this. Does your heart sing? Does your heart sing to the Lord? It really should. Our music should be excellent, the best quality that we can put forward. Okay? And, 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 and at sometimes we have better quality than we, and sometimes we don't because people come and go. But we do the best that we can with what we have, right? It should be beautiful the most beautiful we can possibly make it. We want to honor our God because he is beautiful and holy. We want it to be quality. We want it to touch hearts. We want it to tell the truth. 
and we want to stir us to want it to stir us to love and obey God through holy, active living for Him. That's what we want to do with our church music. And that's not just the choir and the special musicians. You want to know my personal favorite music at the Hamilton Square Baptist Church? Is hearing you. I love it. And every once in a while, you know, I tell the instruments, just stop. I want to hear them. You, you, you hear me do that? You see me do that? It's because, of, because we are uniting our hearts to the glory of God. And I think it makes God pleased. So let's do the best that we can. Why do we sing? We've been told to do it. Creation sings, Psalms sing, Levites in the Old Testament sang, songs stay with us, the Holy Spirit stirs us, singing unites us. And heaven's going to be filled with it, so let's warm up. All right? Father, we pray that you'll help our church to be a singing church. I pray that you help us to be people who sing at home. We pray that you'll help us to sing songs that glorify you and help us in our walk with you. Lord, help us to have the discernment to know music that is teaching us the wrong things. Music that is drawing the world into our hearts and into our homes. Help us to know that for ourselves. It's hard to put a finger on this, but the Holy Spirit can guide us and teach us. So Lord, help us as we submit our hearts and our music to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.